Coming up, today's guest is the CMO at Reflectly, the popular journaling app. You'll discover how to use micro-influencers at scale for content generation, why product is more important than marketing in the very beginning, and why they are so focused on TikTok right now. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. AppRadar will save you time with their unified and connected ASO workflow and save you money with their Apple Search Ads team who will optimize your campaigns and increase your ROAS. Go to AppRadar.com to learn more. With over 120 million happy users, Theorem Reach is helping app developers make more money with fun, rewarded surveys that you can easily add to your app. Go check out theoremreach.com to learn more. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com. We're here to help you grow your downloads, help you better monetize, and help you better retain your users. And today I've got a phenomenal guest. I'm super excited because we're able to make this happen so quickly. And I love the app. I've been talking about the app in terms of its UI, in terms of its functionality, in terms of just making me feel better myself. So super excited to get into all the details of how they've been able to grow, how they've been able to scale, and how they've been able to better monetize their users. I got a really sneaky question from my guest today. But without further ado, his name is Darius Moravchek. He is the CMO at Reflectly. Go check out the app. Just go to Reflectly into the app stores, both on iOS and Google Play. Check it out. It's phenomenally well done. So Darius, without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Also, if you go, uh, if you go exactly. to the app store, you just look up happiness. We're also, uh, that's our keyword. So that's an easy way to find reflecting in the app store. Now that's just bragging, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. That's, congratulations. It is so true. I'm a big journal lean guy. And the great thing about it is I got my kids to do it. My daughter just started doing it because she saw me journaling every day. So she just picked it up. And then I was like, I told my son, hey, do me a favor while we're in this quarantine start journaling, just write down three things you're grateful for every day in the morning and just see how that better picks up your mood. So I'm a big journaling fan. fan. Yeah, we've seen, I mean, it helps a lot of people. Obviously we started with knowing that it helps us as the people that, you know, build the company. Um, but yeah, you could just scroll through our apps, the reviews, and you'll see like thousands of people are saying, this is, I mean, literally changed their life. That's what people say, you know. Um, so we see that it has really, really positive effect, especially now during the quarantine everywhere in the world, people are going a little crazy. Um, and it's good to see that they have a place to vent and then share, you know, get the things out uh, without, if they don't have a chance to talk with their friends, for example. I want to talk to you about the, the micro-influencers and how you've been utilizing them. Before I do, like, how has that quarantine affected your guys' app? Uh, we haven't seen anything major. Um, I mean... We can see that more people are looking to to a journal and more looking, people looking for sort of mental fitness, what we call, or mental happiness. So there's been a slight increase. Also, on a global advertising scale, the, the advertising cost has gone down because big companies are pulling their budgets out. Um, but we've been sort of, we haven't seen anything sort of major, uh, slight improvements in there. I know one of the 
the, I'm looking down real quick. One of the tactics working for you is working with micro influencers at scale for content generation that you can then use on IG and TikTok. Can you walk me through that strategy? Yeah, so I, this is actually, well, we haven't invented any of this. Um, like Gary Vee has been talking about this for a long time. You know, I think we're just very good at implementing it. But yeah, basically we use micro influencers as a content generation strategy or like a content generation machine. So instead of having like designers or agencies or people in-house building content, we do, yeah, we do micro influencers at scale. So, you know, on Instagram, somebody with like 5,000 followers. Um, and then we'll just get them to post about Reflectly. But the fact that they post about Reflectly doesn't give us all that much because, you know, 5,000, like on Instagram, especially organic content doesn't get any impressions. The real value comes when you get to own the content and then you run it as ads and then use it for acquisition. That's real, real power. Um, that's where the influencer um, strategy actually makes sense. We also tried running like some of the bigger influencers. Um, so doing the, the proper way on Instagram or also YouTube, that hasn't uh, worked out. I think that's overpriced. But when you run it as ads, it's just, it's incredible because the ads don't look like ads. I mean, it's still a sponsor, so it's an ad, but you can be very contextual so you can run um, ads that to people that look like them. So sort of psychology 101, we trust people that look like us, we buy from people that we trust, et cetera, et cetera. That's, okay, that's freaking brilliant. I like that you target people who look like that influencer. Are you running the ads off that influencer's account or are you just doing it off the Reflectly account? We'll do it off the Reflectly account. Um, it's just easier. Obviously we have like the agreement with the influencer, we own the content and we can run it as ads for like for these and these channels for this amount of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, like usually influencers are more than happy to give us the rights because if an ad takes off, you know, get millions of impressions like over a week. So, and we include the influencers like name and the, their tag in, in the ad. So they get impressions, which is great for them. We get really yeah. good content and you can be like hyper contextual and relevant with that. So let's say your target audience is a 30 year old male in New York. So you can get ads from 30 year old males in New York and run into that audience. And you can do it for every demographic in every country, in every accent. It just, it works so well. That's so freaking brilliant. Okay. That's not Gary Vee. That's Darius's strategy <laughs> here, man. <Let's laughs> give you some credit. But we're good at implementing it. That's very cool, man. Hey, roughly around the price range, how much do you have to pay these influencers? So you, like, like everything in marketing, you either have time or you have money. So if you have a lot of time, you could negotiate with, you know, reach out to 100 and you can send 20 emails back and forth until you get the price down to 10 bucks um, for about like micro influencers that we don't have that much time, but we can afford to pay a bit more. So about 50 to 100 bucks for anybody that has five to 10,000 followers. Um, so real micro, but you know, we would do whatever, 100 a week. So you just need to have the, the, the engine spinning fast. How have you managed to scale this? Because I find that whenever I'm doing influencer marketing, the toughest part is to find these stinking influencers. So how have you been able to find them? Yeah, so I think we scaled it quite well and it's quite simply. So we just have, I have one person um, that all she does is just uh, influencer outreach. So all day, every day, just sitting on Instagram and DMing, just, you know, what Gary calls the manual labor. So just sending DMs all day, um, gets all the, uh, the conversation, then we take it over to email. That person will still do all the communications, um, send them like the basic directions. Like that's pretty simple, optimized. Once they deliver the assets, they're sent to Philippines to be edited. Uh, and once that is edited for, you know, whatever the cost, maybe two or $3 per video. So it's very low. 
And once that is edited, only then I see the actual video and then I can put it into the campaigns and run it because I add value at that scale. So at that point, so I don't even care about these before they get to the folder and they're done. But wow. like the really beautiful thing is that let's say you have one influencer. Um, that one influencer can give you three Instagram stories, so three 15-minute, 15 15-second 15 videos, right? Right. And you can edit these uh, sort of mix and match and you can create maybe 30, 40, 50 different videos because you can add different endings. You can sort of, a good editor will, you know, be creative. So one influencer can generate whatever, 20, 30 different creatives that you can run. So you can actually scale it quite quickly. And it doesn't, wow. cost, it doesn't cost that much really. How do you, what have you found to be the most effective messaging from these influencers? Yeah, so I think one of the most important reasons why this strategy works is because I don't tell them what to say. Um, I'm not in the target group um, for Reflectly. So I can't, like, even if I try to create a copy or anything that, you know, would, I think would work better, but these influencers, they are the target group. And I just tell them, like, this is Reflectly, try it out, have fun with it, and then just share it like you would share it with your friends. And they'll use the words that, you know, the, the proper words that they use with their friends. And it just, it's so much more relatable if they, you know, pitch it as they would normally do instead of me doing it. So I don't really give them any like very rough guidelines, like maybe mention the design, but you know, do it honestly. Um, and then just, I let them create the copy and that's the best copy. And then actually what we've done a lot of times, like I'll, I'll take the snippets of what they said and I'll use it in other like ads as text. And that just always outperforms anything that I can create because I mean, how would I know better than our target? Yeah. So true. So true. So is that influencer or that influencer outreach person looking for a specific type of person, meaning like, Hey, find somebody who talks about journaling or hashtag journaling, hashtag happiness, and try to reach out to the smaller influencers out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's how we do okay. it. Yeah. So, I mean, at first we only started with our journaling, but at some point you'll run out of people, um, especially on, for example, Instagram, what you run off. So then you can include new hashtags and be more broad. So like now we do like self-care and self-love and happiness and gratitude. Like our, our, our product is quite mass market. So for us, it's easy. It would depend on like what scale you are. If you're very niche, you should go more niche. But yeah, we, we try to find very good people um, that are similar to our target audience. And obviously our huge thing is happiness and gratitude. So the person needs to have that vibe of happiness and gratitude and, and all of those things. And sort of the, the key is that we don't really judge the creatives. So everything that we get will run and we'll run everything because we don't know what's going to perform. Like at the end of the day, it's just no idea. And I did an experiment where we ran like 128 different creatives to the same audience, the same demographics. And two of those creatives out of 128 got vast majority of the traffic and they outperform everything else. That it could scale those and then eventually they got whatever, 90% of the traffic and 90% of the results. And those are the two creatives that I would have never guessed are going to work. Like one of them had a horrible like sepia filter, like weird lighting, her baby was crying in the background. Like by any creative judgment, it was a terrible ad, but I ended up outperforming everything else. And it's never like, it's not like the pretty girl on Instagram is going to convert more, you know? So we just, we never judge the content. We only like, we look at the influencer, make sure that they fit within our general, what we would consider target audience, but then we'll run everything that we get and we let the market decide on what works versus having us some creative judgment. So freaking cool, man. I could talk to you about this. Just this topic all day. The 
the type of ad creative you're using, is it Instagram stories? I know TikTok, there's probably only just one type of ad creative, but Instagram posts, is it through the feed? Is it through the stories? What's working better? Yeah, so I think right now, Instagram stories are the most underpriced asset placement. Um, specifically, if you use, for example, um, if you use also polls in stories, they tend to work really well because people click on polls that you know, increases engagement, decreases the price, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that works the best. Again, it depends on, on, on the specific product. How do, you, how do you do polls within an ad? Um, so that's a feature they rolled out, I think about eight months ago. Um, yeah, so this is very specific, but if you're inside the Facebook ads manager, you have to only select Instagram story as a placement and turn off all the other ones. And if you do that, then in the creative part, there's a new magic button that opens up that's not visible before and that you can add polls to your, to your ads. You, you asked before we hit record, like, how can, you, how can you make this valuable? And I said, I'll ask you about the details, man. So like, <laughs> I love details like this. This is great. Cause I usually, I think I agree with you and we've been testing out different strategies as well, potentially trying to like, you know, one strategy we try was we have clients that want to get featured by Apple. And so what we found effective was targeting Facebook ads. Now this was in 2017, Darius, but we target Facebook ads in the Bay area. And this was a Gary V thing. It's like, Hey, do you know that you can target employees of a certain company? And like a light bulb went off and I was like, Oh shit, I'll just target Apple employees in the Bay area on Facebook and be like, Hey Apple, you know, check out our app. Maybe it's worth a feature. So we started doing that. We got like four different Apple features right off the bat. Now it hasn't been as effective fast forward now. So I'm like Instagram stories, maybe I can do something there. And I've been targeting Facebook stories and Facebook messenger stories. So you're saying, don't even do that. Just put Instagram stories and then you get to this little poll functionality. Yeah. If you do just Instagram stories and placement, there'll be a new secret button that opens up for the polls. Another little hack that I've noticed started to work really well. And this is like very, very detailed, but in the last few weeks, maybe months, um, I noticed that if you do carousel ads, um, you know, the normal when you have multiple videos and multiple pictures, do carousel ads, but only put in one picture, one video and leave everything all blank. That tends to perform really, really well. I have no idea why, um, you can do it. So I mean, yeah, carousel with only one creative performs really well right now. Really cool. All right. Thank you for sharing this, man. A lot of people wouldn't be this open. Hey, the, how are you able to manage so many ads? Are you using a platform or are you just doing all through Facebook, the Facebook platform? everything directly. So yeah, all the position we do directly. I haven't found a, I haven't found a platform that would allow me to have the flexibility um, and the power that I get directly. So we just do it manually. What are your early results on TikTok? Cause I know it's a fairly new platform. Like have you found some success on that? Yes. So I've been talking about TikTok a lot. Um, I think it's the biggest marketing opportunity in 2020. Um, super, super interesting. So first of all, the ad, product on TikTok is not publicly available. You have to apply to get in. Uh, and if you get in, then you can start advertising. They're going to roll it out at some point, but it's fairly new. In terms of results, it is really cool because, well, first off, it's, um, there's not so much competition because it is not publicly open. Uh, you're not competing with all the other companies. So the advertising cost tends to be very, very low. And in terms of the actual audience and conversion rates, we see um, uh, good results. So that's really cool. But that's, that's the ass product. I think just organic TikTok alone is super, super interesting right now. We've seen some crazy good stories. For example, there's a company called, uh, there's an app called Do Fasting 
and I noticed they ran some ads on TikTok. One of them went viral and they just like blew up in the charts of the app store. It was crazy. And more recently in the last three, four, five, maybe in the last week, um, there's an app called Zombie Run uh-huh. and they went viral on TikTok because somebody, not even doing ads, somebody posted about, about them and on TikTok, it blew up and they're like number one in their category and they're like top 30 overall wow. in the US. And like they had no idea why and the, one of the founders of the CEO, he was tweeting and he's like, guys, does anybody know what's happening? Like, we're, we're, we have no idea why we're like skyrocketing right now. Like, is there a feature or something? And then they found out somebody posted about it on TikTok and it just went crazy. So like, if you can do like even organic TikTok, super interesting. What are you guys doing on TikTok? Um, so TikTok is fun because it's uh, more creative and uh, we have, we've, focused most of our attention on, on the ads on, on TikTok. And we started to do some creative, some organic, and we're learning right now how to do organic properly. Uh, so we're just posting about like journaling and, and I myself spending way too much time on TikTok in order to understand the trends and like be able to participate. Also, I'm doing a lot of silly videos myself just so I understand how the algorithm works and I'll figure it out. Um, the, real, like, the reason why it's, TikTok is very different than Instagram in, in the, the way the algorithm works because you can get on TikTok, have zero followers, post a video and get a million views yeah. and like real actual like impressions that will lead to app installs. And like, because um, in TikTok, you don't just get exposure to your followers, you get exposure to a certain amount of people. And if there's engagement on a video, they'll expose it to more people and more people and more people. So you could like really, really go crazy. I posted a video on a personal profile um, first video I posted and like the next day I got like 60,000, 30,000 views or like wow. something insane that just you wouldn't get on Instagram or Facebook. Like TikTok is Instagram seven years ago when you could build an entire business off of Instagram organic. That's TikTok right now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the discoverability is insane. Like, like you said, you can go from a nobody to somebody in so freaking quick and there's no other platform that you can do that. Like it takes so much work, but on TikTok, that rocket ship like growth can happen. So if you don't mind me doing this and, you know, tell me if this is boring, but I'd love to brainstorm with you. Like what I want to get into the mind of Darius and be like, what is he thinking in terms of a TikTok strategy? Even if it doesn't work, like I just want to get into the brainstorming session with this. Sure, sure. So what I've seen, what a lot of other companies are doing and are doing it well is that first you have to adapt to creative to TikTok. You can't just repost stuff from Instagram or do that type of videos. Um, It's not going to work. What seems to work really well is to follow trends and then be part of those creative trends. So on TikTok, for example, there is there might be like certain dance videos or certain songs that people will sort of recreate over and over again with their own spin, uh, creative spin on that video or on the song. So that's what we're trying to do now where we're, we're keeping it more about general journaling or self-love or gratitude. Um, we're not trying to be just like, here's the app, check it out. Because that's too salesy and doesn't work um, on TikTok. And also it's much more about, pers- about people and the personalities rather than the companies. So um, yeah, so it's like an Instagram, you could do a business profile and post pictures with your business in general. But and TikTok is very much about people. I've noticed just this morning that um, you know Bosch, the electric tool company. Yeah. So they have an official like Bosch account, and they're posting um, about their tools. That's like one of the few examples that I've seen where it's just about the company. But then there's a lot of other where like it might be the CEO or some employees of the company that'll be posting um, on behalf of the company, but it's still about themselves. I've seen some like um, I don't remember which airline, but some airline employees had like personal accounts, but 
it would still they would promote the airline and then sort of TikTok about being flight attendants. Interesting. Are they doing anything fun? Because I feel like, you know, with TikTok, like I've been talking with my other entrepreneur friends who are not in the app space, but they've been talking about how TikTok's great and like dancing, like you have to do like, like all the dancing and the singing and stuff. You, find, you guys find like that that's something that you have to do on that platform? Yeah, you don't have to do that. You have like, <laughs> good. You, you can, I mean, I'm a terrible dancer, so I don't dance in my videos, but I make sure like you have to show interesting stuff. And what's interesting on TikTok might be different than what's interesting on Instagram. So I, it's, it's a bit hard to describe, but you, you don't have to dance, but you have to sort of play by the rules. Uh, I think it's still like be creative and do your own thing, but there are certain things that happen to get attention. So like using the right song and doing those mashups or, or, or there are certain, not necessarily dances, but certain moves that people do and get attention. So you get direct people's attention in that way. So it doesn't have to be dancing and we're trying to figure out how to do it. But we're also like on Reflectly, um, on the organic account, we try to also do like dances and just see if that, that's something that might work. I think awesome. for me, super interesting is going to be trying to do influencers on TikTok and trying to incentivize people um, to share content with Reflectly because, I mean, our users are so much more creative than what we can create in our house. Uh, we're also like a super small team. We're less than 10 people in the entire company. Wow. Uh, so we don't have like resources to, I don't know, have, you know, 20% creative team like Headspace or Calm might do. Um, so I think for us, the real power could be in, in trying to figure out how to use the micro-influencers on TikTok. Wow, that's amazing. The... The last thing about this whole, while we're in this like TikTok, Instagram details perspective, when you get a creative back from an influencer and you're going to run this on Instagram, do you have a template that you put it through? Like, hey, have some animated text. Because I think what I love about Reflecting too, you guys are so brilliant with the way you guys use design. So you guys sort of incorporating some of those design elements. Let's have a call to action at the very end. Let's start it with the text animation. Let's make it look really cool. And then get into that user talking about it. Because I can't imagine just be the user. Hey, I'm Steve. Check out this ref cool Reflecting app. Like, here's what I really love about it. I can't imagine it does that. Uh, both work. Okay. Um, so both, like on Instagram, a lot of it, where it was just the user talking. Like literally just that, and people know they can swipe up and get the app. So that has worked really well. We've also tried where we would have the person talking at the end. It would just be like two seconds screen, or like showcase of the app. Um, we've also tried that. That tends to also work. So, but I mean, both work. Um, so I would say that's perfectly fine. We do have the advantage that the app is gorgeous, and people really, really love the way it looks. Uh, I mean, last year we won the Google Design Award for for innovation. Um, so we can just show the app and that tends to also do a lot of the it's like selling on its own. Yeah, totally, man. And you guys it's a very visual, visual that you can take advantage of. Okay. What I want to talk about too, and I want to make sure we're good on time. The, when, uh, let's talk about this, the pricing page. I told you and I, before we hit record that I noticed that there was a change because I use you guys as an example all the time of app that's super well designed of an app that's making tons of money in the app store. And then also like the pricing page. I'm like, look, here's the pricing page of million dollar apps. This is what I've called it. And I, I kind of put all these different pricing pages together. But I've noticed that recently you guys went to a long form. So instead of like the typical that one that you see, that's just one page with different pricing pages. Now it's a long form. It's beautiful. What's, what have you found, Darius, to be higher converting? I have my thoughts, but I want to hear yours too. Yeah, so I mean, we're always testing um, everything. I mean, from obviously in the ads and the creative part, but also the, the onboarding. Um, and I think it really, what we sort of, and what I see also with other companies and other apps, there isn't really 
um, sort of a golden rule like this is going to work or not going to work when we see like it's the result of testing. So what you will see in, in our case, and it's, it's constantly changing, so we might be, you know, have a totally different onboarding in, in three months. Uh, but all of that is a result of testing, and that's sort of maybe like a cop-out answer, but that's the result of, uh, of everything. And I've seen that in, I've seen other apps that do really well, but it will have, you know, completely different onboarding. Yeah, and well, I was talking about the pricing page, because if you think about the pricing page right now, if you go to the Reflectly app, definitely download it, because it's going to make you happier. The, when I look at the pricing pages, and one of the things that I had as a hypothesis is, if you look at any online marketer, right, that's selling like digital products or maybe some other thing, they'll always have a super long pricing page, right, where it talks about continually. You just, they just want you to scroll. I'm like, I get it, and, but people want to see what they want to see, because they're just going to keep scrolling and then be like, Oh, I want to check this part out, read that part, and just keep scrolling. And what I liked about the Reflecty thing was you had the FAQ, you had customer testimonial, you had all the right elements that I was imagining, like we're redesigning some pricing pages for some clients. I was like, hey, what about long form? And we brought that up and like, hey, you know, Reflecty has a long form where it incorporates all the things that like an online marketer would sort of do. And I was like, this is brilliant. And the little things, one of the things that came out of this conversation is like little animations make such a huge difference on a pricing page. And you guys have that, you know, you have that little smiling face, like I guess it's the Reflecty mascot doing that. And then even the FAQs, the brilliance of like just tapping that, being able to read it, those little things make such a huge difference. Once, once a customer is like, should I buy this? Should I subscribe or not? Because it shows that, hey, I've thought about it. This is a robust app as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is like, I think what, one of the things we discovered is that a lot of the stuff, you know, for example, the pricing page or the onboarding and, and that process, a lot of that is counterintuitive. So, I mean, sometimes we'll see results that don't necessarily make sense, um, but, yeah, so it, like, I think, again, everything is a result of testing and, and we've tried a lot of different variations. And it's, yeah, it's not always obvious what's going to work. And it's just like with the ads. Like we'll have, I'll think like, I'm sure this one is going to perform so well. And then you write a test and it just, it doesn't, it, you know, it flops. Uh, it's the same in like the pricing page, for example. That's cool. All right, you joined Reflectly just one month after they turned on subscriptions. And, you know, you were the first employee you help the three founders scale the business. Right now, 7 million users about acquiring about 20,000 new users a day. What did, when you first joined the company, what did you, as the, like, the head of growth, what did you start focusing on? Uh, Facebook ads. That's what we started off right from out of the gate. Um, because like I mentioned, this was just after we turned on um, the subscriptions. So I mean, we grew a lot um, just organically. I think we were at with 400,000 users. Um, at that point, we grew, you know, we spent almost no money on ads, it's all organic. And then we turned on subscriptions. We saw that the business model works. Um, and then we could go, you know, heavy on, on scale. That's cool. I think it's so critical. Like, I think people sort of jump. Did you guys, were, how were you guys monetizing before? Or was it completely free? It was free. Okay, cool. Was it scary to turn on the subscription? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, cause that's, that's the real test, right? Having free users is, it's fairly easy, but actually being able to that, like when we, when we turned it on and it worked, then it became a real business. Right. So that's when I could join the team and, and then that's what we could, you know, scale afterwards. We're still a super clean team, but that's where it became what I call a real business. Uh, that was a proper test and it, it turned out well. Darius, you have the app marketing right? Is that your domain? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. I'm so, I'm like so jealous. But you've been doing app marketing for so long. And I would love your thoughts on this because I hear this from people in my audience all the time. Like, Steve, hey, Steve, you know, like we want to get to a million users and maybe they have like 100 or 50 of their friends using the app right now. And I always think like, hey, you got to think about like the different milestones, right? Like, are you even retaining the 100? Like, let's get people that figure out the retain retention aspect of it. Then let's turn on the monetization. Now you're able to make it a real business. And then let's start thinking about that 1 million mark. You agree or disagree? Or what would you tell somebody who is in that boat and saying, I want to hit this arbitrary high number, but I'm at like a really tiny number right now. Right. I mean, it's good to have goals, but, um, and as a marketer, I think what I need to emphasize, and I say this every time I'm doing like presentations and talks and interviews, as a marketer, I need to emphasize that product is more important than marketing at the beginning. It's the number one thing. Uh, and like you said, you absolutely need to have like really, really good retention. You need to make sure, I mean, that's like the sign people are coming back to your product. That's the number one thing. If you don't have retention, then don't run any ads, don't do any of that. Like, and I've seen this happen so many times, like I've joined companies and I've left companies where I would get on board and I thought that we're you know, much further ahead, but then it turns out um, the, the uh, retention was not where it was supposed to be, but the company wanted to run, for example, ads. Like one time I joined a company where they had a whole growth team, like a, like a 5% growth team, and their retention was not good. And I joined, I was like, my first order of business would be to fire everybody in the growth team because, or like put them in different positions because you don't need a growth team if you don't have a good retention. Like number one thing is fix your retention. Um, and once you have good retention, people are coming back to the product, then you know that they like it. So that's great. Then you test if it's good enough for them to actually pay for it. And once you can sort of verify that, I think then you can start focusing on like heavy growth and scale and, and doing the ads and doing all of that. But at the beginning, like it's all product, product, product. Like you should not do any marketing at all at first. Just focus totally on the product. And once you, because that's, that's a difficult thing. Once you fix that, then the growth is figure outable. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's the best way of putting it. Like think about the product first before you think about the marketing and we're marketers, man. Like we, this is what we do. This is our lifeblood. And, yeah. and I keep telling people this too. And they always think about downloads and I'm like, sometimes it's not about the download. Sometimes like you, I have people, my friends who get like a hundred, 200, 300 downloads a day and they're making money, right? Like they're not like reflecting low on money, but it's like, Hey, I earn a living off of apps. I can support my lifestyle with apps because of the revenue, they don't have that many, they only have hundreds of downloads. Right, yeah, exactly. So yeah, focus on the product. And what, you know, once you hit a certain scale, like once you hit a level where you, know, you have millions of users, then maybe like marketing or like doing small acquisitions or some other things might be the thing that's more important that will like take your business to the next level. Um, but at the very beginning, it's all products. I love it, man. This has been such a great conversation. I knew it would too. And I'm so <laughs> glad that we got it. I was like, I got to talk to him. Because literally, man, Monday we talked about the pricing page. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to, as we were talking, like, oh, Darius is the perfect person for this. I'm going to reach out to him on LinkedIn, see what he said. You got back to me. We're able to make this up. Now it's Friday. And like from one week, we're able to really move fast on this. How do you guys think about organic and ASO? Yeah, so I think one of the things we, we've seen is that um, it depends on your business model. So one thing with, I mean, ASO, what I'm starting to notice is that seems that the amount of time you are in the app store tends to be more and more important. Um, so like, yeah, just the fact that you've been, you've been you know, trying to rank for a keyword for five years, maybe more relevant than some of the other variables. And I also tend to see that reviews um, have more and more weight. So it seems like recently, uh, yeah, good reviews are more important than 
some of the other things. Uh, I think that's like the two sort of um, trends that we would see. In terms of what I mentioned, depends on your business model. Like for example, we see some companies that don't do any paid acquisition. They only do ASO and they do it really, really well. And they have a very profitable business. Maybe their growth is you know, not 10X year over year, but if, if you have a 2X business year over year and you're not making, you're not spending any money in marketing, it's really, really, really good business. So if, if that's one way to do it, then that's great. And I've seen a lot of those cases. Um, and then there's the other case where you do want to 10X your business and you need to spend some money. Um, so then maybe you don't focus as much on, on profitability, but sort of breaking even as you can grow. I mean, we haven't raised any VC money, so we can't afford to, you know, burn any cash. We have to be uh, running smart campaigns, not just at scale. That's so awesome. Congratulations, man. The fact that you've been able to do it just self-funded is pretty bootstrapping. It's really awesome. Is yeah, my like, but they're no big venture money. Right. Got it. Well, it's my talking about ASO was like my transition to get, how'd you get happiness to be number one? That's awesome, man. Uh, I think that's again, just time. Like, you know, use it in a, a subtitle or whatever important, just time. And it, it goes back to having an amazing product. Like the fact that we have, I don't know what we have, like maybe 200 five-star reviews a day. Yeah. Just like, I think that's by far way more important than trying to, I don't know, put the keywords into certain places and trying to do all the, like we still test and we still improve and we focus on ASO, but um, like having an amazing product and having good reviews and then having, you know, knowing that it's going to take a certain amount of time until you can get up there. But that being said, there's some other companies that we, for example, um, one, so at, we've been around for maybe two and a half years now, but I think last year there's a company called Jure, uh, which is a journaling app that's very, very similar to Reflectly, but they launched, um, and I have to like give them, I think, respect for the way they launched. Um, they did the, the pre-launch campaign where you can get pre-installs. Um, they managed to get, you know, quite a lot of those. And then the day they launched, they skyrocketed. They, I think they were top of the, the category and they did really well. And like over time, they dropped to like a normal level um, because the product is just not, you know, good enough to get them higher. But in terms of like just pure ASO launch strategy, like that was really, really cool case study for, for the way to launch, for example. Well, back um, in the so day. Hacks you can do, right. you know, get you up there. But at the end of the day, that's only temporary. The same with like getting features in the app store. Like being up to date is great, but that's like one day spike. What's far greater is, you know, having that sort of traction every day. Yeah, we're known for helping clients get featured. And I tell them all the time, like, it's not as valuable. Like it was pretty valuable in like 2015, 16 era when we first started like really figuring this out. But like right now it's, it's a nice spike, but it's not, you, you think you'd get like hundreds of thousands of downloads and it's nice, but it's not like, it's not going to make or break your business. That's why I always tell them. Ego boost, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, just let people say I've been happy today. And the other thing is like, these are, a lot of them are just tourists, you know, like they're not your target customers. Like these are just random people from the app store. They'll try it just because it's the other day. Um, so what you should really measure is your revenue and how much money you make from it. And then like you see the spike is really not that big. Like it's nice, but I would not put like tremendous amount of effort into it. I completely agree. And this is something that people come asking for. I'm like, no, it's not that valuable, man. The, what's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about? Oh, I want to talk to you about attribution. So I got this question in this YouTube live that I just did, but we, they talked about like what attribution tools would you use? So I want to ask you like, 
from just starting out, what would you use? And maybe you don't have a huge amount of budget into that now, once you hit scale, like what tool would you use from an attribution perspective? Yeah. So I think attribution is still a tricky one. Like it doesn't seem, I mean, it's better than not having an attribution partners, but I find it a constant challenge uh, to do proper attribution. So we're testing both AppSplit and Adjust um, at this very moment. And the thing is that at our scale, even though we're a small 10% you know, team, but at our scale of users, we're enterprise level everything for every tool. So whatever we use is gonna cost thousands of dollars. Right. Uh, so we have to be sort of very careful in what we would experiment. But yeah, we're trying both of those, but I just, uh, I think it's a constant challenge. And yeah, when you were, when you were doing, I think once you introduce a, more than one or two acquisition channels and you have, you know, more ways to get the users, maybe also through your website, for example, there's all these things and it just becomes such a mess. So I think that's a constant struggle. Um, so if you have any recommendations or like I was we were only considering like, maybe I should get a data scientist on team and just mm. you know, get it out uh, and have like a really, really good data flow. But that's to be a constant struggle. That's what I've talked to with uh, some of the bigger guys with you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on marketing. They were talking about three critical people to have, like somebody who helps you with the creative. And I think you guys have a system for that data scientist and just somebody who runs growth and manages all that stuff. But they were talking about like a common theme was having a data scientist on there. Yeah. Darius, what, I love your thoughts and you call BS on me, but I was like, look, if you're early on, like maybe Facebook is something that you're going to rely on, which is a great channel that attribution is probably enough for you in the very early stages and then work your way up to the adjusts and the apps flyers of the world. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we like, you don't need attribution for a very, very long time. I think, especially like when you're doing just one channel or two channels, like you can, you can figure it out. You can sort of, you can draw the conclusions yourself. Um, like unless you, like, like you said, I'm spending $10,000 a day on marketing across 10 different channels. I don't think you really need attribution. Facebook attribution is, is a free one. You could use that one. But if you use more than one channel, even if you use just Facebook, it will over attribute to itself because it's a Facebook tool. Um, so and I wouldn't trust the data 100%, but yeah, that's just a, a personal opinion. I yeah. think you really don't need it. Uh, like, I mean, we, we hit a really big scale before we started using attribution. I think. So you could really uh, figure it out more. That's so cool to hear. And it's, this is the messaging that I want to get across to some of the all smaller guys who want to be in where you are right now. It's like what you just said, we were at humongous scale before we started thinking about attribution because you, you figured out that the product was really important. You had something that worked. The LTV was high enough. And now like, okay, let's, let's get everything yeah. properly set up. There. Exactly. So like you should, because I mean, when you're trying to build any new business, including apps, there's a thousand things you could be doing, but probably one or two years should really, really should be doing, or like one that you need to be doing. Uh, so just like, I think figuring out the priorities early on are super important. Um, so yeah, number one priority should be absolutely like on the product and, and having that you don't have any leaky buckets, make sure that your LTV CAC is proper. And then you can do sort of these like, I like to think of it like in marketing, I like to think of it as, as like my priorities. And I think that number one is the channel, so choosing the right marketing channel. You might have the best creatives and the best message and best everything, but if you're in the wrong channel, it's not going to work. Then I look at targeting, then as a creative, and then it's like the conversion optimization. So that's like change the color of the button to get the 1% improvement. But yeah, so figure out what's your priority of testing. I love it, man. Is there anything I miss that you wanna make sure we cover before we hit the big finish? 
Um, I don't think so. I think this is, this is fun. It's good. Dude, I love this. You got to come back, please. I, <laughs> every month, okay? I'm sure you think about new strategies every month. <laughs> I mean, like, there is a lot of stuff changing, you know, constantly. Like in a month, like what I mentioned about carousel ads and polls, like it's not going to be the same in a month. Well, especially uh, after we get this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the same with like TikTok is going to be in a whole different place in three months. So this is, yeah. that, it, it's fun for me. Yeah, I love it too, man. I'm glad we got to geek out about this. So before we hit the big finish, I do want to thank my sponsor, AppRadar.com. If you're looking for an ASO tool, it's going to really systemize and help you with the entire ASO flow from updating keywords to managing different localizations to really one of my favorite features is seeing when did I change anything? Like when did we change those screenshots and did it improve our, our conversions? Well, that's going to all be in there. And the coolest thing that I've heard from others, I don't have this particular problem, but you can upload all the different localizations of your screenshots in one easy platform. So you don't have to go in and click drop all these drop downs and upload all these screenshots. You can do it all within AppRadar. So go check them out. It is AppRadar.com. AppRadar.com. Just once again, Darius, this is absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Besides Reflectly, give us one app we should definitely check out. Um, cool. So it depends on when you locate it. I think my favorite one is Revolut. Uh, it's a replacement for a bank, basically. Uh, I know they've just launched in the US recently. So yeah, basically an online bank. It's just the app is super smooth. Um, and like knowing how much pain in the ass banking was on mobile before, having Revolut is, yeah, I'm just, it's super easy. And you can, you can also trade there. And it, it, it just, it's a properly mobile first bank. So what I think that's a, Revolut. Revolut. Yeah, that's a really good one. Another one that I really like is called uh, Too Good To Go. It's a Danish company. So what they do is basically um, they allow, so you can pick up leftovers from restaurants after the close. So they're trying to remove uh, waste food. That's cool. And it got really popular in Europe and that's like almost every major city is, is on it. Uh, so you can just feel like bakeries will give out, you know, the still good stuff, but it's, yes. it's throwing it out, they give it up. So too good to go. Bakery is a big one. I'm like, look, I'll take them. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I love it. Man, all these croissants over here I'm eating, it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Um, I think it be personal well, too. Yeah, so one is definitely the attribution. Uh, that's, I'm still trying to figure it out. Another one is what we mentioned is that number one, it's all like product and um, and retention, like product retention. And okay, another one that's very big, and then this was the most painful one when I started. I, so my very first company uh, was a language learning company that we tried to do um, straight from college. And we literally made all of the rookie mistakes. And the first one was we spent six months building our MVP without talking to a single user and then releasing it at a, at a big boom and nothing happened. Um, so yeah, so before you release, make sure you talk to a lot of users and you really figure out what you want. Don't just build your dream product because you're not Steve Jobs. Yeah, so true. So much great content out there. Look guys, it is called Reflectly, beautifully designed. You're going to love it. Once you download, you can just love the way it feels. If you want to check out the website is reflectly.app, reflectly.app as well, but just search for happiness in any app store and you'll find it as well. Darius, if the audience wants to follow up with you personally, do you want to send them anywhere? Um, sure. So I have the uh, appmarketingguy.com. So I'm blogging and I have a YouTube channel called Darius Marketing, uh, which is very new, but I'm starting to um, post videos there as well. And it's, 
Yeah, just talking about apps and ads and marketing. Dude, let's do it. We, you and I, YouTube, let's just do all this all stuff. Right. That's I love it, man. All right, guys, Darius, thank you so much, man. Check out YouTube. All that is going to be linked up into the show notes as well. We're going to post this on YouTube. So go definitely go check out his YouTube channel. Darius, thank you so much for taking the time and doing this, man. Thanks, man. This is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening, watching. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.